You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Ezra had been called by the Lord. The Lord's hand was upon him, and he was being led by the Holy Spirit. You want to get into ministry? Listen to what the Lord is saying to you. Study the Word of God to show yourself approved. Get close to the Lord. Pray. Fellowship one to another. And continue on to see what the Lord would do in your life. Get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. Can a wrench fix a car on its own? Can a hammer build a house on its own? No, but in the right hands, they can. In today's message, Pastor Dave reminds us that on our own, we can't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. It's in the hands of our Maker and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we become effective. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, as he begins his message, The Good Hand of God. As we begin chapter 7, it's been 60 some odd years since chapter 6. It's been about 60 years since chapter 6. The temple is built. They've been using the temple now for about 60 years. But it seems like those people who are living in Jerusalem at this time are having a difficult struggle. Not only are they in financial need, but more importantly... They are struggling spiritually. They are struggling spiritually because there is no one to lead them, to teach them, and to guide them through God's word. So they are struggling. So like times past, God now raises up a leader, one whom he will fill with his spirit and one who we will put his hand upon and call him into service, and he sends them to Jerusalem. He sends him to Jerusalem. So in chapter 7, we are introduced to this man, and his name happens to be Ezra. Now, you say, well, that's crazy because we've been through six chapters in a book called Ezra. Right. It's believed that he wrote the first six chapters from all the records that they had about what went on. They had the letters from all the kings and all the going on there, and he wrote these chapters. But now we meet Ezra himself. A couple interesting facts about the name Ezra. First of all, it means help or helper. Now, right away, you hear help or helper in the Bible. Who do you turn to? Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Thank you. The Holy Spirit. The Paracletus in Greek. One who comes alongside to help. Jesus declared many times that he would send the helper to you, the comforter, and he would lead you into all truth. He would witness of Jesus. He would give you power. He would give you power to be his witnesses. So we have the Holy Spirit involved here. Jesus refers to him many, many times throughout the scriptures. So Ezra is raised up by God, and he travels to Jerusalem. And as we go through these next two chapters, 7 and 8, we see that the good hand of God is with Ezra. In fact, 
That very phrase is found no less than six times in these two chapters. The good hand of God. Why? Because God's providential hand is noticeable on Ezra. And quite noticeable. I mean, how else could you explain how this obscure Jewish priest and scholar who was born in Babylonian captivity could accomplish so much for Israel in the name of the Lord when they had so many things working against him? It had to be of the Lord. It has to be of the Lord. In this instance, God not only used Ezra, but he used other people as well, specifically the king. King Artaxerxes, he uses mightily to help the nation Israel and to accomplish his will in the nation. Another interesting fact you want to know is that although God does use all kinds of people to accomplish his work, if his hand is not at work within us and through us, nothing will be accomplished. See, we do what we do by the hand of God or by the spirit of God. We are led by the spirit. And we do what he's doing and we serve him as he serves and as he shows us. God is presently working in and through us right here, right now, by his Holy Spirit. It is the spirit within us, the spirit that comes upon us, that empowers us to do any work that God has called us to do. It's the spirit in us. The spirit is the presence of Jesus Christ. This principle is taught to us when Jesus himself said in John 15.5, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. So the Lord raised up a godly teacher to come to the spiritual aid of the children of Israel. Because although God helps you financially and is worried about your finances and wants to be involved in your financials, he's more importantly worried about your spiritual life. To him, that's the most important thing. How are you doing spiritually? Where are you on a spiritual level? That's what matters most to God. So we see this. A spiritual leader is raised up, and he comes to the aid of the children. Let's read verses 1 through 5 in Ezra 7. Now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sarariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Enetub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Anatoph, the son of Zerariah, and the son of Uzai, the son of Bukai, the son of Abusha, the son of Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. Pleh. <laughs> Holy mackerel. A lot of I is there. A lot of I is there. But it begins with after these things. Remember, I said that this takes place some 60 years after the temple was built. And we read about that in chapters 1 through 6 in this book. But Ezra now is writing about the restoration of the temple and things through the records that he kept. And we said that. So we're introduced to him himself. What's the first thing you notice about Ezra? Anything? The first thing I noticed? His pedigree. First thing I noticed is who he comes from. And this was important back then. You saw all the ayahs that we talked about. Hilkiah, Azariah, Shalom, and all those guys. His line, his lineage. This is the first thing. You can trace him all the way back to Eleazar, who was the son of Aaron. Who was Aaron? He was the first priest, the brother of Moses. Absolutely, he was the first priest. And from him, the priestly line comes. 
Aaron was the first priest. So we trace Ezra all the way back to him. Not only do we trace him back to him, but that second name up there, Sariah, he was the high priest at the time of the captivity. He was the one who was the high priest when Israel was taken into captivity. So he has this great pedigree. Ezra comes from a great background. It's particularly interesting if you remember, some of the priests who had come from Babylon were rejected from being in the priesthood because they couldn't prove their lineage. They couldn't prove who they were. They couldn't prove if they were really Jews and not only that, but of the tribe of Aaron or of that Levite tribe and priestly lineage. But Ezra had the credentials. But more importantly, God's hand was upon Ezra. You can have the greatest credentials in the world. You can go to the best Bible college. You can go to the best Bible university. You can come from a long line of pastors and being a pastor's kid and pastor's family. But if you are not called by God, and if you don't have the hand of God upon you, and you're not led by the Holy Spirit, it's all for naught. It means absolutely nothing. Go to Acts 4. Take a trip to Acts 4, and I'm going to show you something that's majorly more important than all the Bible colleges, all the seminaries, and all the things that you could possibly have. Not that they are bad. I'm not coming down on seminaries. I'm not coming down on Bible college. I have a degree from Trinity Biblical University, all right? But what I'm trying to say here is knowing God is more important. In Acts 4, in Acts 4, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin because they healed the man in Acts 3 at the gate beautiful. Remember that beautiful scene? Okay. They healed him. Now they're being questioned and they're being tormented and they're told, don't teach in this name. And I'm going to read from verse 5 all the way through 13 because it's 13 that we want to look at. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, that's Peter and John, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? In other words, what, what gave you the right to heal this lame man? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people of elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for the good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This was the stone which was rejected for your builders, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's the kicker. Now, when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained, they marveled. None of them went to Bible school. None of them went to Bible college. None of them had biblical training. Not one of them was a priest. Not one of them. But they had been with Jesus, and that was recognizable to them. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Ezra had been called by the Lord. The Lord's hand was upon him, and he was being led by the Holy Spirit. You want to get into ministry? Listen to what the Lord is saying to you. Study the Word of God to show yourself approved. Get close to the Lord. Pray. Fellowship one to another. And continue on to see what the Lord would do in your life. Get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. 
So that's what struck me about this, about Ezra and his pedigree. Paul says the same thing. In Philippians 3, Paul goes this great big line of his pedigree and tells you, hey, you know, I'm circumcised the eighth day, blah, blah, blah. Hey, he gets down and says, I count it all as dung. I count it all as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ and wanting to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which has come by the law, but a righteousness that comes by faith. See, Paul knew it. And it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. Although Ezra had this great pedigree and had this great teaching and was this man of God, God had his hand on him and was using him mightily. I love that. Look at verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him his request according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. There it is. The hand of the Lord was upon him. Ezra is called a skilled scribe. Now, in Jewish custom, a skilled scribe was an expert in the law of Moses. It was someone who was highly trained like a lawyer who could argue the word of God and who knew the word of God. He wasn't just a glorified secretary because of the word scribe. He was skilled in the law of Moses. And he asked the king if he could go to Jerusalem. This is quite daring on Ezra's part. Dare he approach a mighty king and ask for permission not only to leave Babylon, but to take others with him? Only the Holy Spirit can give you this kind of boldness. Only the Holy Spirit in your life can give you this kind of boldness to do what God has called you to do. That's why we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why we seek the Holy Spirit's lead, so we can do what God has called us to do. God has called each and every one of us in the ministry to be witnesses of him. To be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. In order to do that, Jesus said, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus was talking about. So we have that, and we know that, and we come to that. And we look at that, there's, this is what Ezra had. He didn't squander his spiritual heritage. No, 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 no. Instead, he used it to honor God. He used it to honor the Lord. Notice the sentence, the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, which was upon him. As I had said, God uses all kinds of people to accomplish his will. Remember, the first group that left Babylon after the captivity were released when King Cyrus of Persia was told by God to release them. And here now you have another one. These people are using mightily by God. Lowly priest is given the boldness by the Holy Spirit to come to a king and say, we want to be released. And then God gives the king, take some people with you. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Here's some money. Here's some animals. Take all these things with you too. If that's not of God, I don't know what it is. That's how God works. That's how God works. So with the king's permission, Ezra and the others leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem. We had talked about this before. Four months it's going to take them. Let's read verses 7 through 9. Some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the Nephilim, 
came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. Like I said, four months. According to who? The good hand of God upon him. The good hand of God. I love the fact that Ezra is going to give thanks to God for his successful journey that last four months. He's credited with this as God's hand is upon him. Folks, we need to be in tune with the Lord to see his hand upon everything that we do. Everything that we do. For we have been born again. We are new. We are new creations. We are new creatures. And everything we do now as a new creature, we do by the Spirit of God. And we need to see his hand on every single thing we do. Even the good, even the bad, and the indifferent. Because why? God is constantly at work in your lives. He is constantly at work in your lives. He's working even now. There's a reason why you're here to hear some of these things. And I don't know which thing is going to hit you the most, but there's a reason why you're here. God is constantly in in our lives. He's protecting us. When you're in that traffic jam and you're angry, he probably protected you from an accident up the road or something else that was going to happen. He is constantly leading us and he's constantly providing for us. Why? Because he would never leave us or forsake us. He is always there and we need to look for him everywhere. We need to see his hand upon us everywhere. The good hand of God follows us everywhere we go. And in the good hand of God is not a great big wooden spoon. Not waiting to wrap you upside the head because of something that you did. That's not God. There are consequences for sin. Yes, there are. But his love is what continues to pour out upon you. His love is what continues to lavish over you. What makes Ezra so interesting to me and giving me a better appreciation of this achievement, he was born in captivity. He was born somewhere where the priest couldn't practice Judaism. But he was born in captivity. He was born in Babylon. There's no temple in Babylon. They had no obligation to minister to the people. They might have taken a scroll or two, but they didn't have much. That just shows you how much even one little tittle of God's word can do. Which brings me to a point. Did you know that there are countries like China, like other places where Christianity is forbidden, that they don't have Bibles But what happens is they get a Bible and they rip pages out. They rip pages out and give it to people. And they might only have one page of God's word. But the church underground in China, in Iran, in North Korea is blossoming, is booming. Because they're seeing that one page over and over and over and over and they're memorizing it. And they get together and they start comparing notes of how good God is and how wonderful he is. And God does a wonderful work in their lives. Don't ever underestimate the power of the word of God. Don't ever underestimate it. Don't ever look down on it and say, oh, I've heard that story before. How many times can you hear about the woman at the well? Well, you know what? Every time I hear it, I get something different out of it. Every time I hear it, something different comes to my heart. Ezra was devoted to teaching the word of God, to studying the word of God. He studied and studied and studied, and then he taught the people. What an example for us. Wait a minute. That's what we do. (laughs) 
And on Sunday and Wednesday, we have Bible studies. On Monday night, we have a Bible study. Friday morning, we have a Bible study at Conifer and Cape Recovery, a Bible study. Gee, what a concept. Where do we get that? From the Word of God. So we're constantly studying the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And when we hear the Word of God, we are raised up. And the Word of God can be hard sometimes, and not everybody's a scholar, and that's okay. But the Lord raises up people, and he gives them a gift called teaching. He gives them a gift, and then they expound on the Word of God to you, and you listen to it with an open heart, and then God does something in you. And that's what happens. God gave that gift to Ezra. Ezra sought the Lord with all his heart, read the word of God, studied the word of God to show himself approved, and he wanted to be an example, and he wanted to teach the word to Israel. What a great thing. What a wonderful thing. He had prepared his heart to seek after the law of the Lord. His desire was to study to show himself approved. Now, 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Ah, the psalmist is my meditation all the day. And you know what? You got to go verses 7 and 9. When the Lord is basically raising Joshua up to be the leader of Israel. Moses is dead. And now Joshua is getting ready to take his place. Listen to what the Lord says to Joshua in Joshua 1, verses 7 through 9. He's saying, only be strong and observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night that you should observe to do according to all courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See the power and how important the word of God is, which is one of the reasons why we teach it line by line, verse upon verse, so that you would receive the whole counsel of God. So you have the whole counsel of God within you, just like Jesus did. It is written. He says it three times against Satan when he's being tempted in the wilderness. When the deception comes, and believe me, it's coming. When the deception is coming, you've got to know the word of God to know the truth. You don't want to be falling away. You don't want to be deceived. Ezra lived the word of God. He not only read it, he not only taught it, he lived it. In other words, his life Matched his mouth. We're blessed to study God's word, to have God's word just the way it is. You can read and read and read and read. If you don't apply it, all you have is head knowledge. You need to give it out. James clearly says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Doesn't do you any good to read it and hear it and not apply it. It doesn't do any good there. So Ezra not only studied and obeyed, he taught others. It's interesting, but if you go back to Leviticus, if you go back to Deuteronomy, and you go back to Malachi, this was what God's will was. God's will wanted everyone to know the law of the Lord. He had charged Israel with teaching the law of the Lord to the world, not just to the Jews. He had charged them to teach it everywhere, but they failed to do that. And this is why we do this here at Calvary Chapel. We read the word, hear the word, teach the word, and then we apply it. And this builds up a generation of future saints. You are the first thing the Israelites did when they returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple was to set up the altar and make offerings to God. 
How about you? When God delivers you out of difficult times, what is your first response? Do you offer up your thanks and praise and worship? Do you set up an altar to remember all that God has done? I'm not talking about stacking stones, although that's one way to remember. However you choose to do it, find a way to keep a reminder of God's faithfulness where you will see it daily. Are you in a hard time right now? Or has God recently brought you out of something difficult? Either way, we would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at info at capewatchradio.com. We want to be praying for you. Once again, that email address is info at capewatchradio.com. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching his way through the book of Ezra. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Want to know more about it or come see us sometime? Check us out online at assurehoperadio.com. Regardless of where you live, you can join us for services on our live stream to Facebook or YouTube. But if you're in the area of Cape May, New Jersey, come see us. Everything you need to know is on our website. Have you been loving this series in Ezra? We sure have, and we're glad you've come to join us today. We've reached the end of our time together for now, but we'll be back right here with more from Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope.